Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic, overseeing our toxic phase one and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Brian Gassman. Brian is the medical and surgical director of the melanoma and high-risk skin cancer program here at Cleveland Clinic. He's talking to me today about the management of Merkel cell carcinoma. So welcome, Brian. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So maybe just to, to start off, maybe you could briefly tell us about your role here at Cleveland Clinic. Sure. I happen to be a surgeon who uh, has had a long-standing interest in tumor immune evasion. And uh, of course, immunotherapy revolutionizing cancer has been uh, fortuitous for someone like myself and for the patients I treat. Uh, over the years, um, I've helped as part of a larger team grow the melanoma and high-risk skin cancer program. It's, it's really become one of the national leaders, uh, not just in standard care clinical treatment, but also in clinical trials, as well as uh, basic science research. And uh, part of my role, it really is to help shepherd patients to, you know, the various options that we can now offer them. Um, and this includes Merkel cell carcinoma, uh, for which we have uh, about as many options for patients uh, as anyone can find in the United States. So I guess uh, for a lot of the physicians listening in, you know, Merkel cell is not a very common tumor. Maybe you could just briefly kind of remind everyone, what is Merkel cell carcinoma? About how many cases are we looking at a year? So first of all, like any cell in the body, it can transform into cancer. Within our, our skin, um, besides, you know, of course, the epithelial cells and melanocytes, which forms, for example, mel uh, melanoma, are Merkel cells. Actually, Merkel cells are part of proprioception, and believe it or not, the majority of them uh, in the body are probably in the, the heart palate in the mouth, and yet we never see Merkel cell carcinoma in the mouth. We mainly see it in the skin. Why, nobody knows. It could be in part related to the fact of uh, UV radiation, but interestingly, 80% of Merkel cell carcinomas are not necessarily UV radiation induced. In fact, 80% of them are induced by a polyoma virus, and those who study viral oncology they tend to like Merkel cells, one of their uh, models uh, for research. Interestingly, though, the difference clinically between a polyomavirus-driven Merkel cell and a UV-induced Merkel cell has never been seen, uh, not with therapy, not with surgery, regardless of, of treatment. What's interesting about Merkel cells, number one, it tends to be in the elderly. Um, so it is not uncommon that we might see a 98-year-old patient walk in the door with it. Uh, it tends to be obviously on the skin, and in comparison to melanoma, it's usually more advanced uh, for whatever reason, maybe because it's a faster-growing tumor. And uh, as such, the death rate for Merkel cells still near two to three times that of melanoma. Those those numbers are constantly in flux uh, with better dermatologic exams and use of immunotherapy. It's considered a rare cancer because of the numbers, but. Uh, Whereas a few years ago, uh, you would see numbers like 1,500 per year. The most recent estimates are that we have between 3,000 and 3,500 a year. And that's over the span of about six or seven years. So although it's technically still a rare cancer, its trajectory at this rate of increase uh, is that it won't be probably in the next 10 to 15 years based on rare cancer uh, definitions. 
Finally, um, most patients do come in with resectable disease. It's treated a lot like melanoma. Uh, so for, for patients who come in with an isolated skin lesion, it would be a wide local excision with various ways of assessing margins and a sentinel lymph node biopsy. If your sentinel node biopsy was not done or was done and it was negative, you'd be a stage one or stage two, depending on their primary characteristics. And if they were positive, you'd be upgraded to a stage 3A. A stage 3B disease is someone who has got gross local regional you know, lymphadenopathy or intransitive metastases. And of course, stage four is disseminated, uh, usually unresectable disease. Um, after surgery, depending on characteristics, Unlike melanoma, radiation is commonly used and has not been really shown to improve survival, but is a very powerful uh, agent for local regional control. So we use it sometimes for the primary or the nodal basin or both. But the probably biggest change in Merkel cell, like melanoma, is, is the use of immunotherapy. Anti-PD-1 immunotherapy specifically, it's interesting if you look at all uh, skin cancers, they have, obviously, a lot of them have UV signature. They have the highest tumor mutation burden in almost all of cancer, and they all have very similar uh, anti-PD-1 overall response rates. So Merkel cell melanoma and cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma uh, have very similar overall response rates to the myotherapy if, if you're in, uh, a naive treated patient of around 40 to 50%, and the survival rates are, are similar um, between melanoma and Merkel cell. So it's a huge advancement, uh, but unlike melanoma, uh, some of the combinational therapies have not uh, been as successful. For instance, ipilimumab and nivolumab does not seem to have the same power. And because it's a rare cancer, many potential therapies have not yet been tested. So what, what sort of trials are you uh, enthused about that we may be doing here at Cleveland Clinic? My goal was to have trials for the earliest disease, even prevention, quite frankly, all the way to refractory disease. Currently at the Cleveland Clinic, um, for example, for certain stage one, all stage two and all stage three patients, we have what's called the STAM trial, which is uh, sponsored by the Eastern Cooperative Group and uh, is co-sponsored by SWOG. Um, I happen to be the national PI of that trial as I developed it and uh, got it through CTAP. And um, ultimately, uh, it is now at over 420 hospitals. To date, I believe we have 75 or 76 patients accrued. And that trial takes patients who, again, in stages ones, twos, and threes, who may or may not get radiation after surgery. It's, it's sort of dealer's choice. And they will get randomized one-to-one to, -one to post-operative pembrolizumab, anti-PD-1 from Merck, versus uh, standard of care, which is essentially observation. And the uh, primary endpoint there is recurrence-free survival uh, with a co-primary endpoint of overall survival, which is what the NCI and CTEP generally recommends for phase three trials, and it, and it is a phase three trial. Moving on up, uh, for patients who have either naive, meaning they've never been treated, but it's unresectable disease, or uh, they've had uh, one line of immunotherapy and failed, we have what we call the NIT trial. This is another trial that I happen to be the national primary investigator for. It's actually born out of research from my lab, and I uh, was able to be partnered with a company who's, who developed a interleukin-7 conjugate molecule with the receptor, making it more powerful, IL-7, in combination with the tezolizumab, which is Rose Genentech's anti-PDL1. That is accruing very well. It's at seven centers, and I believe we'll have about 10 centers when all is said and done. And all of these centers are some of the usual suspects in terms of high accruing locations. 
Moving on up beyond that, we have our NAND-K West trial, which I'm, I'm shepherding at least locally here. And that's an interesting trial too. That is for further refractory patients. This trial is an interleukin-15-based conjugate Similar to the IL-7, it's connected to an IL-15 receptor. Uh, it's combined with Evalumab, which is an anti pd one which happens to be proved in Merkel cell, as well as an NK cell infusion. Uh, and these NK cells are specific for P16, which is highly upregulated neuroendocrine tumors, and Merkel cell is a neuroendocrine tumor. Uh, what's very interesting about NK cells is you do not need to do preconditioning like you would do with like a bone marrow transplant tumor infiltrating T-cell, CAR T-cell type protocol. So the morbidity of this trial is much lower. And because NK cells do not require autologous tumor uh, antigen, these are actually allografts that are being given. And so it's all off-the-shelf products. We literally are opening this trial this week, and we're very excited about it. And we already have numerous patients are in line. Uh, And I would add, besides the standard of care approved agents like anti-PD-1, anti-PD-1, Pembro, Nevo, Valumab. We are also been a leader in intratumoral injections and have published a small series of patients who had excellent outcomes combining TVAC, which is a engineered uh, HSV uh, oncolytic virus in combination with anti-PD-1 agents. And we have been able to get insurance many times to approve this. And we've been giving it to patients who both uh, are in the naive stage, but have injectable unresectable disease, or even in the immunotherapy uh, failed group with some really nice successes, including a few patients that are alive at least three years now. One of them had had three lines of immunotherapy, chemotherapy, multiple surgeries, multiple radiation, and as we speak, has had no evidence of disease using a combination of TVAC with uh, pembrolizumab. Um, and, and by the way, I do not endorse one drug over the other. It just happens to be the one that we use in that combination. So lots and lots of options out there, lots of trials. Uh, when we think about other, you, you mentioned NK cells, are there any other cellular therapies that sort of have you excited at this point in terms of potential? So Merkel cell has very few trials, as you can imagine. Um, it tends to be baked into phase one trials or basket trials for skin cancer. There is a TIL therapy trial that's based out of Seattle, and it's autologous TIL. Um, so in other words, it's tumor infiltrating lymphocytes. It's a trial that we are not opening, but it is a cellular-based therapy. People are looking at genetic engineering T-cells. But uh, I think ultimately, Merkel cell is going to end up being folded into successes of larger volume cancers. A lot of offline, off-label uses will eventually be found to be effective in these cancers, sort of by habistance because it's a rare cancer. There are other trials in the adjuvant setting that are being done in Europe, and there is some interesting data looking at octeotride uh, because it's a neuroendocrine tumor, but those are pretty much the main areas. And again, to answer your question in terms of cellular therapy, I think it's going to be engineered T-cells or just expanded TILs uh, for Merkel cell, for, for now at least. When we think about what's going on in other tumor types, um, certainly there's a, a move toward genomic-based therapies combinations of chemo, perhaps with immunotherapies. Is there any similar movement within Merkel cell? You know, chemo has been the stalwart for for Merkel cell for years, but it essentially has zero curative effect. 
I think there's a, a little bit of apprehension to go backwards as opposed to trying multiple immunotherapy combinations. But I can tell you that, you know, what's interesting about Merkel cell similar to melanoma is that you can sort of hold on to patients for years with persistent disease. And at some point your back is against the wall clinically, so to speak. And there has been this sort of small brewing interest in doing exactly what you mentioned in melanoma. And I think of Merkel cell as like sort of the fish that swim with the big shark where the shark goes, the fish go. So I think, you know, as patients live longer and need some additional option, there'll be some renewed interest in that. But right now, I think there's a strong objection to using chemo because we finally got past it, if you will, at this point. And from a genomic standpoint, is there anything that has been even a little bit successful in terms of if we do next generation sequencing, anything that is a recurring hit? Not recurring. I mean, there's probably a one-off here or there. I mean, clearly having the polyoma virus in 80% of these, you would think that there would be some type of antiviral along those lines, but there's not been a good series, you know, other than case reports. Are most patients with Merkel cell, do they get uh, referred in to see you and the team here at a place like Cleveland Clinic, or are there a lot of community guys that kind of start the process and are there, are there particular patients you think really do need a second opinion and a multidisciplinary approach? And- yeah, so there's really a bimodal distribution of referrals. You got the larger referral, which comes from dermatology. And I think sometimes with like moles, you might be suspicious it might be melanoma. But when it comes to Merkel cell, so many times it's catching the person who did the diagnosis sort of flat-footed or in shock, like, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. I haven't seen one of those in a few years. It could be a general surgeon taking out a quote-unquote cyst, comes back Merkel cell, totally unexpected. And I think a lot of times they're really looking for someone who feels extremely comfortable to take this confusing, overwhelming situation so that they feel like something responsible is happening to those patients. And I think that's a large majority of where we get people from. Um, We do see people come to us for second opinions. And unlike melanoma, a lot of times we're surprised by sort of the haphazard nature of people who do this rarely and how they sometimes will will treat these patients. Now, on the sort of unresectable side, I think, you know, people are so enamored with anti-PD-1 agents and they feel so comfortable with it, we do see more and more first-line treated in the community because at some point it doesn't matter if it's Merkel cell or melanoma or what have you, it's a anti-PD-1 responsive cancer and I can give anti-PD-1 therapy. The problem then is a good percentage of them do eventually have resistance um, or have primary resistance and then will show up. And those are harder to treat and you know obviously it makes the group that we see overall a more difficult population. But In the end, I think patients prefer having people who are not shocked by a Merkel cell diagnosis, feel comfortable with the diagnosis, and are on the cutting edge of what the next treatment would be. Because they, like I said, we can keep people alive for a long, long time. And that means they will live long enough to see a new option that we haven't even discussed today. And they know being with us and sort of being locked in, they'll, will get the first glimpses at those therapeutic options working at the Cleveland, working with us at the Cleveland Clinic. And of course, one of the concerns as well uh, from a trial standpoint is if people have kind of meddled around in a treatment or two before coming to look at trial options, they may exclude themselves from some potential options. 
you know, I, I would say yes and more because on one hand, yes, because a lot of times they are sicker. Like you said, their ECOG status gets worse. They can't even get on. Um, or, you know, the trial option, which might be better than standard of care, requires them to be immunotherapy naive. But I would tell you, it's really interesting when certain trials got started, uh, which included cutaneous T-cell lymphoma, some lung cancer trials, and Merkel cell, what people found, at least with chemotherapy, and I think it's probably true for most cancers, is that the more chemo you had, the worse your immunotherapy outcomes were. And Merkel cells is a classic example of that. So in the pembrolizumab CITN trial published in New England Journal Medicine, those were all IO-naive patients treated with pembrolizumab, and their overall response rate was nearly double the Evalumab trial, which was also led to an FDA approval, which I think was in Lancet or Lancet Oncology, not that far apart temporally, but those were allowed to be chemotherapy failures. And the overall response rate, you know, obviously was then almost half. And so it, what's better, at least now, is that we're not seeing people in the community give them chemo and then sending them in when they failed. Now, at least they're trying immunotherapy, which maybe isn't as bad of a starting point. What would be the key takeaways that you'd like physicians listening to know about Merkel cell and how to manage it? Sure. Number one, it is a rare disease and ideally should be treated at a tertiary center that is very comfortable with this. And that, and that goes from everything to not just the surgeons and the oncologists, but even social workers and nurse practitioners who feel very comfortable communicating about it. Number two, although it's a rare disease, it's on the rise and it may not be so rare in the near future. Number three, it is an immunotherapy-sensitive cancer, and if you're in the unresectable setting and you want to treat this starting with an anti-PD-1 and not chemotherapy, which is luckily becoming more the norm, is absolutely the way to go. And then finally, the use of radiation. You know, its uses are widespread in Merkel cell, but you know, radiation has side effects, long-term side effects, and the uses of it for local regional control might be outweighed by a curative anti-PD-1-based therapy. And so being more judicious potentially with radiation, despite the fact that you will see it, you know, really affect the cancer immediately, need to be considered in their trials right now, like the Alliance trial and others that are trying to assess where radiation should stay or not stay within the Merkel cell field. Uh, and then finally, that Merkel cell, like all other cancers, is being explored for new trial options and new treatment options. And I would expect, you know, new FDA-approved therapies probably in the next couple of years. And so it behooves us to want to try to keep our patients alive long enough to eventually experience those those next level successes. Thanks, Brian. Uh, appreciate your insights. That's uh, that's very helpful. Um, do you have any additional comments? I think it's really helpful to get the word out because as well known as the Cleveland Clinic is, there's a lot of people out there, physicians especially, who may not know that we have a special and strong interest in Merkel cell carcinoma. That's great. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center experts on our ConsultQD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org cancer. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.